Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your hostess, Miss Susan Weed. I'm out here in the studios at Cafe Fairfax. And we will be back in just a moment with Susan Weed, Green Magic, Green Medicine. Join us. Forbidden Archaeology, Forgotten History, Divination, Magic, Cryptozoology, UFOs, Nature, Science, and Spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. I'm Dan Michael, the founder, co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And I just want to do a brief overview of what's happening with the network and get right to Susan. I see she's in the queue. We, of course, do this show every Tuesday evening at 10 p.m. Eastern Time unless something goofy happens. And it's Green Magic, Green Medicine with world-renowned herbalist Susan Weed, author, lecturer, teacher, uh, and up there in the Wise Woman Center. And then on Wednesdays, once a month, we have taken our show down, the flagship show, the one that started it all, Main Street Universe. And right now we're on a once a month format, sometimes it's twice a month, sometimes it's on an alternative night if the guest needs a special time. It's myself and our associate producer, Janice R. White, who is also host of the World Reggae Party at Fairfax Public Access Radio, and she's going to have one of the Marleys, as in Bob Marley, as her guest sometime in the near future. So one of the the Marleys, I forget which one, (laughs) is going to be joining her. But she will correct me, I'm sure of it. And then, of course, on Fridays we have Activating Compassion, and then she has changed her name to Code Connections. Jesse Ann Nichols George, who has been with us now for about four years, I think. 
So Jessie has all sorts of interesting guests. Her show time on Friday sometimes fluctuates. It's around 4 p.m., 3 p.m. Eastern time often. But since she's been on a book tour and other things, it can fluctuate according to her or the guest schedule. She's given Friday all day whenever she can. So if you tune in on Friday, sign up on Ball Talk Radio and follow us. It'll give you a notification to say, hey, the show's about to go on in an hour, and all that kind of fun thing. Then, of course, on Mondays, we have the return of Mr. Darren Bucare. And Darren is an intuitive consultant at Marie Laveau's House of Voodoo in the magical city of New Orleans, Louisiana, in one of my favorite cities. So right now, that is the regular weekly and bi-weekly lineup, as well as we have a new host joining us, who I'll mention later, and a few others. We actually have two new hosts. One of them is a Chinese herbal medicine practitioner, who I'll name later, and another one is someone who just has a passion. Another natural medicine guy himself, uh, and I'll mention his name at a later date as well, but they've both said yes. We're just sort of setting that up and getting their times established, as well as the return of maybe Mary Phelan once a month, and Jim and Ashley Cash once a month. So those are updates. We're starting to get new hosts back and filling up the network again, and we'll continue to do so. Anyway, I see Susan's in the queue. I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. Welcome, Susan Weed. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. How are you this week? Very good. I had a lovely Thanksgiving in Connecticut, but I thought I was going to be able to get to a computer faster. But as you know, traffic can happen and all sorts of disaster, and I sent your assistant a message and said, I don't think I'm going to be able to get (laughs) to be able to do the show, so I hope uh, you got the message. Well, I I received the message psychically when I called. Oh, okay. (laughs) Right. So, you know, I called at our usual time. Yes. And um, it said, there's there's no show tonight. And I said... I said, oh, there's no show tonight. Okay, and hung up. Yes, I actually planned on it, and um, it was just we were, I was out and about, and I thought I was going to be at my destination and set up and ready to go. And when I realized, after I saw everything going down, I was like, oh, this isn't going to happen. So I borrowed a little device, sent an email, and was hoping it was going to get to you fast enough. But anyway, we are back this week, so all is well. Did you have turkey? I had turkey, and there were wild turkeys that roamed the property that I was staying at in lovely Connecticut. And we also saw a show at Yale University on on the the next the next day, Friday, because my uncle in law, whatever you call him, he's in law. My brother married up, if you will. <laughs> And uh, he is the head of the technical drama department at Yale. So we got a bunch of free tickets, and we saw a very interesting, dark, dark humor show. The two main actresses were actually quite incredible. And I actually wanted to contact them. And even though some people didn't like the show, everybody agreed that the two actresses, they were playing twins, and they were constantly talking and bouncing back off each other. I mean, they must have done a ton of rehearsing for this, answering each other's sentences, like, really fast. It was strange, dark, modern humor. Anyway, but it was it was 
their ability to constantly go back and forth was quite impressive. <clears throat> Sounds good. Wow. Yeah. Nice to see that kind of teamwork. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like they were one person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have my blog talk show, which goes for two hours, and then I have a half an hour break. And then you and I talk. And yeah. I spend some time during that half an hour getting in touch with myself and getting in touch with what needs to be said. What do I want to say? What am I riled up about? What am I interested in? What's piquing my curiosity? What's, what's going on? And the word that kept coming up from me this evening as I did that was wild. You know, earlier this summer when I was out at Bainbridge Island teaching at the uh, First Pacific Northwest Herbal Symposium, I gave a workshop there called Wild Matters. And of course, I wanted it to be a pun. I wanted it to be about wild matter, but also to say that eating wild matters. And so I love how you played into that and talked about the wild turkey. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I know that you didn't weren't saying that you were, had eaten wild turkey, that you had eaten a domesticated turkey. Yes. But that you saw a wild turkey. And in fact, it's, it, it's rather daunting to wrap one's mind around what must have happened to go from a wild turkey to that domestic bird that you ate, eh? It is because, honestly... The wild ones are, in these particular, and I've been there before, are somewhat big, and honestly, they look like they could do some damage, and they have, like, this extra hook under their talons, They're like almost like a, I don't know, a spike or something. I mean, they can get up a tree, they can fly, and they look big, like little ostriches almost. I mean, they're quite, they could be a little intimidating if you're around a pack of these things. <laughs> You know, Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey to be the national bird of the United States. He I thought the that. eagle was kind of disgusting. Right? He says the turkey this is the turkey is a very thrifty lifestyle, right? But the eagle is like a carrion eater, so he was like really against the whole thing. And needless to say he was outvoted. Can you imagine? So, oh, the national bird is a turkey. Ah, ha, ha. And then how do we get that? How do we get, like, that somebody who's lame is called a turkey? Anyhow, we're going far afield from wild matters. And wild is what's really important. And it, I got started on wild really, really, really early. As you recall, I first got interested in herbal medicine in 19... 19- 65 when I was pregnant with my daughter, and within a couple of years, I had a part-time home up in the Catskill Mountains near Woodstock, and I had a little, and I mean little, about the size of most people's tables, little herb garden, which was filled with weeds, because I didn't know the difference between an herb and a weed at that point, and along came Ewell Gibbons with stalking the blue-eyed scallop and um, stocking the healing herb and, uh, and, and introduced me to all of the not just blue-eyed scallops and healing herbs, but wild foods. 
that were growing all around me. And so for me, herbal medicine and wild foods were the two sides of the same coin. They weren't something that was different. And I have met people who are very much into wild food who do little or nothing with herbal medicine and a great number of people who do a lot with herbal medicine and do little or nothing with wild food. So it has been in, you know, I have seen that this is not true for everybody. Not everybody says, oh, yes, herbal medicine and wild food, these are the same thing, wild medicine and wild food. And it's one of the reasons that I've started talking about wild and what it means to be eating wild things. And first and foremost, the reason that I eat wild food is to get wild bacteria. And you and I have talked off and on through all of the years that we've been on the air together about gut flora, haven't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's probably a big thing at the store where you work. Yes, a lot of uh, this locally made kombucha. That's another. I'm a big fan of the kombucha. Not going off topic, but yeah. And then there's the flora, and then people talk about eating wild. You get the debates. You get people going, "Well, that's not going to be any good because it's not." It, trust me, there's a ton of conversations that go on, as you know, in a store like that. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of probiotic supplements are sold. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! So so we ask ourselves um, about what is the place of wild there, and you say that there's some debate about that at your store. I think usually there just is. Like, for example, I, I personally think kombucha is a good place to get naturally made. Kombucha is a good place to get probiotics. But also the natural flora from wild plants, like you mentioned, is is, is, is an incredible place to get as you said, the wild biotics. And uh, then some people debate, does this pill work? Does that pill work? Does it even work by the time it's in a pill? Should it be cold? Should it not be cold? Our most popular one at the store is sold not cold. Um, and so these are all the debates that come up, if, 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 if you know what I mean. Yes, and especially when we consider that there's 10 bacteria in our bodies for every cell in our bodies. In other words, that we are more than 90% bacteria. The idea of adding more bacteria might seem a little silly. And yet, it's an idea whose time has definitely come because we see that it is true. Also, within fairly recent time, the cost of sequencing DNA has come way down. And so instead of believing that there are 400 things in our gut, we now know there's over 4,000 different living things in our guts. And we can actually kind of trace lineages. And not all gut flora come from outside. There are gut flora that come from other sources. For instance, when we eat certain kinds of resistant starch, like inulin, that doesn't break down, that provides food for certain bacteria that are already in our gut to thrive. So it's a variety of things that we do, but what we have found is that 
the gut flora that is most missing and is lowest in diversity in American guts is the group we call soil bacteria. These are bacteria that are predominantly found in and on the ground, in and on soil. And if we can imagine, remember, visualize a photograph of Aboriginal people preparing food, you will see, visualize, imagine, remember that they usually do it on the ground. They don't have tables. They are doing it on the ground. I find this is true when I am working with the apprentices and animals here at the Wise Women Center that we are preparing to eat, that we are working on the ground. We might have something slightly between us um, and the ground, but most Aboriginal people. So the vast majority of their food preparation took place on the ground because people have said to me, well, how do they get soil bacteria if they didn't have gardens? I'm like, well, they lived on the dirt. They had dirt floors in their houses. And they sat on the dirt. Their food preparation took place in the dirt. And so our gut flora is really well and happy when there are lots of different soil bacteria that live there. And I do think that when I go outside and pick wild plants and throw them in my salad without washing them, that I am getting some soil bacteria. And that makes my gut very, very happy. But I think that there's also some other things that happen with wild. And you've probably also heard in the health food store about the idea of foods that are concentrated in nutrition. That these are foods that you don't need to eat a lot of because they are very, very nutritious. I tell you a, a kind of funny personal story on myself. When I first got interested in food and nutrition, and there wasn't a lot written on it at that point, I got a book that I just about lived with for a year called USDA Handbook Number 8. U.S. Department of Agriculture, Composition of Foods. And this is a book of several hundred pages, which is nothing more than an enormous list of foods and how much vitamins, how much minerals, and broken down by individual vitamin and individual mineral, and how much protein and how much carbohydrate. And as I said, I lived with that book. I read every page of that book. I went through it assiduously with a marker, and anything that had a higher than average amount of any one of those nutrients, I marked that food. And I started making my diet be primarily the foods I had marked. 
making my diet be primarily the foods that had the most nutrition for the fewest calories. And weeds are the absolute ultimate when it comes to this. Our bodies are, I believe, absolutely specifically adapted to make use of what's in the weeds and that those nutrients are amazingly effective. Now, I also know that in the store there's probably a lot of talk about the paleo diet, right? Oh, yes, there's that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and and raw and fruitopian and, and all the other – I'm not being mean, I'm just saying, but there's a lot of these specialty diets that are talked about. And, you know, a lot paleo- of those specialty The paleo yeah. one seems to be very popular at this point. And I say to people, what is missing from your understanding of the paleo diet is dirt. You don't have the gut flora needed to digest a paleo diet because you're not living the way a paleo person did. And we can't just say this is what they ate and therefore this would be healthy for us unless we're going to live the way they are living. And I was just reading today that we had... found a knife in Turkey. Is it, hey, big deal, we found a knife in Turkey. No, 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 not in a Turkey, in the land Turkey. And this knife was between two volcanic deposits. So we know without a shadow of a doubt when we say that it's 1.2 million years old, that that's how old this knife was. And that almost doubles the time frame in which we think homos, our genus, have been using formed tools. Not the kind of tool like a chimpanzee would use, which is nice rock, going to use rock. Very right. good. Wonderful. We know we started there. Nice rock. Mm, hit this nice rock yeah. on this ni- nice rock. Yes, good, good. Right, but actually forming, this was a Formed knife. So we were eating quite a bit of raw meat along with that, the other part of the paleo diet, and that meat was wild. And so again, the bacteria and the microorganisms that we are getting when we're eating that raw meat are going to be part of us as well and then giving us a digestive capacity for making ourselves healthy with that. When we try to pick out these people we think we're eating this, this, and this and then we go to our hygienically raised things and say this is what they were eating they weren't they were eating wild food the people who were using that knife 1.2 million years ago they were eating wild food we have pushed back 
the date of first agriculture when I was first studying um, in college. First agriculture was thought to have occurred about 8,000 years ago. And then that got pushed back to 10,000 years. And now we've pushed it back to 14, possibly even 15,000 years. So what we can basically say in domestication of animals, we first thought four or 5,000 years, now we're at six or 7,000 years. Still in all, these are fairly recent innovations. It's not whether they were eating this particular plant or that particular mushroom or this particular animal, but that everything our ancestors ate was wild. And I think that our cells are set for wild. Let me use a, a couple of images here so that I can um, kind of bring you into what, I, what I'm seeing in my brain. When we actually are uptaking nutrition, this happens at the level of a cellular receptor. So let's say that some of your cells say, hey, hey, we need some coffee. All right, and you get some coffee, and that coffee comes, we need some caffeine, and that caffeine comes along, and there's a receptor on your cell for caffeine. And that caffeine fits into that receptor, and the cell goes, good work, got us some caffeine. All right. Uh, and this, of course, I'm using caffeine in a, in a kind of silly way, but it's true, and it's true of all the nutrients as well. So a substance in a plant is not grossly changed by being cultivated. In fact, most of the substances that are in a wild plant are in the cultivated plant, but shall we say in different amounts. So there might be more of a bitter principle in a wild plant and less of that in the cultivated plant, um, less of a certain vitamin in a wild plant and more in a cultivated plant if that plant has been bred like carrot. They have more carotene, so wild carrot is white, and so it has very little carotene, very little vitamin A activity. So the cultivated carrot is much stronger in vitamin A activity than the wild carrot is. So there are going to be a variety of differences there. But in terms of the body, it's not a big difference at the cellular receptor site. When, however, we get to food that is grown on artificial life support, which is what I call pesticides and herbicides, yes. then, then I believe that there are significant enough changes that it doesn't fit the receptor site very well. And let me make this even simpler so that we can maybe understand a little better. Let's say that our cells have a keyhole in them, and the nutrient that fits the keyhole in the wild food is the original key. And the nutrient in the cultivated food is a duplicate key. Now, the vast majority of the time, duplicate keys work fine, right? I mean, we all have duplicate keys. As a matter of fact, most people, the first thing they do when they get a key is to go get a duplicate made. Right. So duplicate keys, well, they're not the same as the original, but they work. They're fine. It's okay. Triplicate keys or a duplicate made from a duplicate is not going to work so well, is it? 
Exactly. And many of us have been in that place where we lose the original, we have a duplicate, and we want another key, and we, so we have to get a duplicate made from the duplicate and that triplicate key. <clears throat> you know, it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so, again, this is what I think is happening at the cellular receptor level. Um, that with foods that are grown with artificial life support, with foods that are not just cultivated, but cultivated in ways that I think we would all have to agree are uncaring to the plants. Um, and this can even be true of organic food, which is grown under black plastic with black plastic irrigation hose. The triplicate key can't quite fit in there. Now, I'm going to make this image more complicated because, needless to say, life is complicated. But not so complicated that you can't stick with me. Because we have the image now of the original key, the duplicate key, and the triplicate key. But instead of a, a keyhole, we're going to imagine that we're looking through a kaleidoscope. And we're going to see that it's a mandala that the kaleidoscope makes, isn't it? It's a circular image with a strong center and a repeating pattern. And the kaleidoscope, I, I use the image of the kaleidoscope rather than the mandala because you know that the kaleidoscope is going to change a little bit. So we see that there's a pattern, but there's also an energy or a vibration. So the original key is a very complicated key which exactly fits this complicated pattern and its vibration. And it comes up to that receptor, and it's like, the duplicate key fits the pattern, but the energy isn't quite the same. And so, on the level of fitting the receptor, it fits the receptor, but it's like something that that is just rubbing a little. It's not that smooth ah that we get with the original key. And when it comes to the triplicate key, neither the pattern nor the vibration are the same. They're enough alike to get in and be used. Again, we're talking small differences in the pattern. I'm not saying that the original pattern was three green stripes and two yellow blobs and the triplicate key suddenly shows up with 14 red triangles and a purple squiggle. Right. Right. No, I'm saying if it was, you know, three yellow blobs and four green lines, that it might have five green lines and three yellow blobs. Or four green lines and two yellow blobs. It's going to be a small variation. However, at the energy level, it's going to be a much greater variation. And so what we find is that we get people who seem to be eating what they need to be nourished, but they're not vital. They don't have much chi. And so now they start looking for the magic pill to fill in for the chi that they're not getting from their food. Right. Is it this enzyme? Is it this supplement? Is it this herb? Is it this kind of kombucha? Is it this temperature? 
And I think what we're really looking for is the original key. And I think that when that original key and those nutrients from those original keys go into our cells, that it is really cellularly orgasmic. And then it fills us with a joy for being alive. Now, here's the good news. If you will, remember a time when you were in love. We've all been in love. And remember how, when your beloved said, I'd like you to meet my dear friend, remember how you felt about that dear friend and how open your heart was to that friend because this is the friend of your beloved and you love your beloved, so you love your beloved's friend. Mm-hmm. I think that's how our cells are when they get original keys. Mm-hmm. And then they're much more willing to accept duplicate keys and even triplicate keys. So a little bit of wild food in our diet not only gives us the direct gut flora to get more nutrition and the more concentrated nutrition of the wild food, but it also sets up this, I believe, hormonally driven pleasure in the body, which encourages the body to be better nourished. So even if it takes in something a little bit duplicated, a little bit less, or a little bit supplement, since it is in already such a great vibration from the wild things, then it's already going to go, you know what, I can I can use these for now because I was inspired by the wild things. Exactly. And we are at about... So shall we, 10... pick, shall we pick this up next week and talk about what wild things are easy to get into our diets? Yes, we shall. <laughs> Because, once again, we have chatted away our half hour. Apparently we have. (laughs) Well, thank you, Susan. You're welcome. Talk to you next week. All right. And green blessings to you. I got to say it first. Oh, wait a second. second. Will I talk to you? Yes, I will talk to you next week. Yes, I'm going to be here Tuesday. Yes. Yes, Yes, You're doing a Costa Rica thing or something sometime, right? Yes, 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 yes. But that's not until January. Oh, okay. All right. All right, then. I will talk to you next week, and thank you again. Talk to you next week. Green blessings. Thanks so much for giving me a place on Main Street where we can restore herbal medicine and wild food. It's a rightful place as people's medicine and people's food. All right, then. You are very welcome, and we're very blessed to have you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Susan Weed. We will continue our discussion on wild things next week. Here on Green Magic, Green Medicine. Have a great week. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. <laughs> 